0: Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creator Annotators, I'm David founder and editor Keith, of chief of ComicBookHerald.com. For today's interview, I'm gonna be talking to creator Jonathan Hill, the cartoonist and author of the new book, Tales of a Seventh Grade Lizard Boy. It's also written works like Odessa, Americus, and some Mega Man of Oregon Focus Today. I got it right here. Tales of a Seventh Grade Lizard Boy. It's a YA graphic novel about a family of lizard people forced to come above ground pretend to be a regular old American family of humans. The work focuses on Tommy, their youngest son, as he hits junior high and struggles with his identity and concealing his lizard side. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining today. What prompted the creation of of this particular YA graphic novel?
1: Um, Well, thanks. First off, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, And so, well, you know, sometimes it's like a very easy answer in terms of like, oh, it was this thing that was the prompt. I think... Um, this book was sort of an example of maybe ideas that I wanted to use but didn't have a place to use them yet um, and so it sort of put a pin in them and then um, you know like maybe I'll get around to doing that um, one of these days um, and so like one of those examples was um, in Americas, there was you know there was sort of this inside joke of there's a scene where there's this like lizard man that attacks one of the characters in sort of the fantasy sequences and I would always joke that Oh, this was, um, this is the coolest thing I'll ever draw. And my career is downhill from there. I, you know, and mm-hmm. so we would always joke about that amongst like my friends and my students and stuff. And so they were like, Oh, when are you going to do a book about a lizard boy or a lizard person? And It was like, okay, haha. Yeah, I'll do that. But, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well there's a concept there, but there's no heart or meaning kind of behind it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that can't carry a book. I feel like, you know, like, um, yeah or at least for me, it can't carry a book. I, there needs to be some sort of heart. And then, you know, I started thinking about when Odessa came out, I started thinking about maybe what my next book might be. Um, and I was thinking a lot about um, sort of my family and their experience um, as, as immigrants, particularly my, my uncle's experience, um, you know, when they came, their Vietnamese immigrants, they came um, to America in the late seventies um, as refugees. And just what it's like for, um, you know, for them and for immigrants in general, when sometimes when they come to America, there's it's just hyper focused on like fitting in and, um, you know, okay, you have to, we're not going to eat Vietnamese food anymore, we're going to eat American food, we're going to maybe it'll mm-hmm. change their names to make it a little easier to fit in instead of, you know, what their Vietnamese names are, they might be like, I'm going to be Tommy, or I'm going to be um, Peter or something, you know, they take on names, and it, it just got me to thinking about that. And just can't understand, you know, that that must be so hard to come from another world to come into this world. And you know, ideally, it's it's going to be a better life than what you were leaving, you know, like war and re-education camps and communist regime and all that sort of stuff. But it's still hard. It's still a totally different world. And um, but the, and also, what gets lost when you when you do that, right? And so there's this idea of like having to put a mask on to sort of like fit in and then um, you know it sort of it kind of looped around to that lizard person idea you know because that's that's like a a science fiction fantasy trope In fantasy it's often like the lizard person is this big hulking like sort of like lizard brainless you know lizard brain monster Um, and then in science fiction you know there's the trope of sort of like the face changing lizard people that are sort of infiltrating society and I kind of saw that maybe there was I could kind of put those ideas together, it's like a puzzle, right? Um, And then being like, oh, maybe that could be a commentary on sort of having to fit in, having, you know, you're basically changing, you're putting a mask on to fit into the world. But I felt like the metaphor also worked in terms of like, you know, for middle schoolers, um, I mean, we all have to do that in a way, right? Like, I mean, actually, we all code switch in a way, you know? Sure. Um, sure. Like, I'm going to talk to you know, I'm going to talk to you know, like my older, like uh, like my 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 mom's friends. I'm going to talk to them in a different way than I'm talking. I would talk to like my bros that I like to play video games with or something. You know what I mean? Like, right, so we're right. all having to sort of do that. So I think that's. So I know that was a very long-winded answer, but it was, you know, it's sort of bits and pieces, and then kind of putting them together as a puzzle. Um, and I think you know, I don't think the metaphor's perfect, but I I'm pretty happy with sort of how it turned out
0: sure that's interesting yeah no because it's I think one of the most interesting choices in the book is you have this very clear metaphor right for the immigrant experience with tommy um <clears throat> as this lizard and you just talked about a lot of the ways that that comes through but then you also kind of invert I, at least my expectations of a y graphic novel with that being the the metaphor where you actually have the addition of um and an excuse mispronunciation here but I think doom uh, perhaps uh, an actual Vietnamese immigrant joining Tommy's class like there's, like there's metaphor and then there's like the literal immigrant experience right with this Vietnamese American immigration coming into Tommy's class and like he's made fun of her his name um he's friend but then he's friends with this you know white kid who passes but who's secretly a lizard um did you feel like that was an important thing to like hammer home the metaphor of Tommy's situation but like but the difference between reality and metaphor to kind of like have both in parallel. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, so in the case of Dung's experience, uh, that that's sort of directly inspired by my uncle, um, because, you know, he was a teenager when he came over. He didn't really speak English. um, And, you know, his name is Phuc Vu. And I mean, that's for for middle school kids, that is sort of like low hanging fruit to make fun of. And, you know, I think that it was something he really struggled with. And he had a a teacher, you know, where he had a conversation with. who was really close to him and, you know, he was kind of like, should I change my name to like Peter or Paul to make it easier? And, you know, they were like, no, you're not Peter or Paul. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're Fuck and you should be fuck, and you should, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think like he made that choice knowing that it would be hard, but also knowing, and there's some of this is in the back matter of the book, but like, um, you know, and like growing up, that was always sort of like, that was always a real inspiration for me. You know what I mean? In terms of like, oh, my uncle, like he came here and he like, he didn't change who he was. So, you know, and I think he was always kind of like that when we were growing up in terms of like, I was like, oh, I want to wear this thing. That's like, cool. He's like, why do you care? You know what I mean? He's like, I, I, you know, like I, I wasn't cool growing up. I had all these struggles, you know what I mean? And I think you get a little bit grief like that. I think sometimes from like, you know, immigrant parents and stuff and that they're just like, we came to this country and you can, if you, you know, you can put up with not owning Nikes, if we can come here and like, you know, go through it. And so I think that there was there was that I wanted to sort of honor my uncle in that way, um, by having this character sort of inspired by him. But like you said, I think it also works really well as a foil for Tommy, because I think this is where the metaphor isn't great. And that like, he's struggling, but he's passing as like, a straight white kid, right? You know what I mean? Like, so, but it's all internal. And I think that a lot of folks struggles are internal and we don't know what they're going through you know what i mean and so right. i think by having doing Doom, Dung's experience and tommy's experience sort of parallel it um it like you said it sort of reinforces the metaphor but then it also makes it sort of the real, a reality of the story but i think them contrast the juxtaposition of both of them kind of, i think kind of makes both of their experiences stand out a little bit more
0: yeah yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think it works definitely in the text. I mean, as a, as a big X-Men fan growing up and, and now, you know, I think a lot about, and there's a lot of discussion around the mutant metaphor, right. It's a very yeah. popular one. And kind of like one thing I found very interesting, certainly in recent years is like when it works yeah. and when it doesn't like sometimes mm-hmm. it's very effective and other times it's way short <laughs> of yeah. what it, what it should be doing. Um, what do you find yourself preferring uh, more outright realism or metaphor when you're telling stories?
1: Well, I mean, I think I think that's a great question. I think that you know, even just like that, like bringing up the X Men, I think is a great example on that. But that's, I mean, that's the thing about I think metaphors is that you're not like it's some someone can read it and get that, like they they get it or they're not, and if they don't, like you know, some yeah, I mean, you have lots of folks that read X Men and they're like, well, I didn't even pick that up." And just like, "Well, you weren't really like yeah. <laughs> paying attention," you know. But I think you know <laughs> right. w- what was interesting is when we were when we were pitching the book one of the first rejections was from an editor that I had worked with and they were very kind and being like, we love Jonathan. We love his work. We love working with him, but we don't understand why this has to be about lizard people. We want it to, we just want a story that's about Vietnamese immigrants. You know? And I think for me, I was just like, that kind of misses the point though. Do You know what I mean? Like, like it's, and this is the thing about pitching, right? It's not like it's finding it, it's having your book match up with an editor who sees the same thing that you see in the book. And, um, and I think they just didn't see that because I think the thing that's nice about a metaphor is then it's not about that particular experience. I can draw The thing is like, my family's experience is not my experience. I, I can see sort of secondhand what it was like to be immigrants from Vietnam. You know, I'm sort of like, you know, second generation, but I don't know what that is. So I feel like to tell that story, isn't like, it's not in my right to tell that story, but to like draw inspiration from it in the way that that's influenced my life. I think that, that I think is like, I feel comfortable doing that. But I also think by doing, having it be a metaphor, it can speak to kind of like the X-Men metaphor, right? It's like, it can speak to a larger crowd. You know, like my, my colorist, um, Nisa Oru, they, we were doing another interview with a local newspaper and something that they brought up that you know i don't think i i think subconsciously or consciously they were like there's a real strong like queer coding in here and they felt mm. really relatable to it because they're someone that like when they're out in the world they can be passing is straight um but then they're queer and sometimes that comes up and like sometimes they feel like oh am i because i'm passing does that make me like less queer or less fa-? you know what i mean like it's and so i think that the, the to me the metaphor works it, because. it I like it a little bit better because it's a less like on the nose and less ham you know what I mean? Sure. And it, it kind of opens it, opens it for other people to bring sort of their experience. Again, not that someone can't read a story about Vietnamese immigrants and be like, Oh, like they're struggling. I can relate to that struggles or something. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not that direct, sure. I think.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that's interesting. Like I read, um, it wasn't that long ago I read, um, the best we could do. Which mm-hmm. is a story it's in yeah. a memoir, right? It's it's about the Vietnamese
1: mm-hmm.
0: immigration, but it's about, you know, a person's connection with their parents and telling their story, mm-hmm. but then kinda of it's a memoir through that. And I think that that structure is probably semi familiar to a lot of comics readers. You know, obviously something like Mouse, you know, yeah, it's like the Mouse same, is like yeah. it's you know, it's it's well indoctrinated that like, okay, this is classic comics storytelling at this point. Um, but when you get into to fiction and especially YA fiction, I do think sometimes those broader strokes, like you're saying, are a little more opening maybe um to to various experiences not that there's a right or wrong way necessarily but i can yeah. see where you're coming from on that um and you wrote a really interesting essay uh about the expectations of diversity in art um this is something i read i think it was after odessa mm-hmm. and how in odessa you have vietnamese american characters uh but the focus is not like just on their heritage and culture right It's it's mm-hmm. not just about like it's not an immigration story it's not about vietnam's history the characters just are right and then they mm-hmm. live their lives in this post-apocalypse you know that you've you've imagined um this sounds like there was a little push and pull with with tales of a a seventh grade lizard boy how did you kind of balance like yeah like the editors were like oh but we want the Vietnamese immigrant experience versus your own desire just to like have Vietnamese american characters but in stories that aren't necessarily just about that
1: well i think you know and i don't i'm not throwing i don't want to throw like anyone under the bus or anything but i think that also speaks to like oh sort of expectations of, I mean, yeah, this is a huge, a whole conversation, right? About like how white publishing is. Um, And not just in terms of like, who's making books, but in terms of like, who are in positions of power, you know what I mean? And, you know, I think that there's something to be said about like, oh, a white editor, maybe expecting a, a person of color to do a story about people of color, that it's about that experience do, do you know what, does that make sense like it's sort of it's that it's a yeah. polling that i was talking about in sure. terms of just like well i'm you know and i've talked to other friends who are you know people of color who are also cartoonists and you know it, it's just like i don't want to do like i don't want to do stories about just being vietnamese you know what I, mean? I am vietnamese and i want to i want to have vietnamese characters in my story because right. That is, I want other kids that are growing up to have a chance to see people who look like them or who are, or even people that don't look like me to like, be like, oh, that's normal. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is normal to have main characters like, you know, in Odessa that are Vietnamese American, but it doesn't the story doesn't rely on them being vietnamese american do you you know what i mean um and so i think that it it is kind of a struggle. there wasn't really a struggle in tales of a summer kid because i think you know we got some rejections and that was fine and it ended up with you know um susan van meter at candlewick like she like i am so happy that ended up with them because they you know she saw exactly what um I saw in the book and she was so excited for it. And she even, you know, also a big inspiration was there was an eighties mini series called V um, that is about lizard people invading. I, I just rewatched it actually kind of right before sort of working on this book and it it's actually, Oh, told. that's a real, that's, that's a, a real re- series. V is a real series. Yeah. Um, oh. And um, it came out in, I think like, 1981. I think I saw it rerun years later when my parents are watching and i should not have watched it but it actually if you get a (laughs) chance anybody here gets a chance to watch it like it's incredibly timely because it has a different metaphor in terms of like so these aliens come to i'm getting on a tangent here but these aliens come to earth and they're called the visitors and they want to like work with humans and help them out but like you slowly realize that they're they're lizard people and they're actually going to mine the earth for their resources and it's actually a metaphor for like fascism and how fascism Mm. slowly creeps into our society and like you don't even realize by the time you realize it's taken over it's kind of like too late it's like oh Mm. like that's happening right now you know anyhow that was a tangent i can't remember oh it was going back to like working with so i think it was just a matter of like you know i i again i wanted it very firmly to be a book that was about not fitting in and having to be inspired by the the immigrant experience, but not directly about it. Um, and yeah. so I think, you know, there were some editors that passed on it and I, that was okay because I didn't want to make a, I very strongly did not want to just make a story about like Vietnamese immigrants because um, uh, again, I'm, I feel like I, I, I'm kind of more than that. You know what I mean? Like, and I also think, you know, people of color shouldn't be expected to sort of mine their generational trauma for like stories, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do feel like there's been a lot of that, especially over the last few years where there's been, I think a hunger amongst probably like primarily like white liberal folks for more understanding and education. But then it's like one thing I think about a lot now is, okay, who's actually benefiting from these expectations is it primarily folks like myself or is it the actual you know people of color and the marginalized folks who now like have to like wallow in trauma <laughs> just to like have this education for other people you know what i mean like that that it feels like a push and pull now and it's we're... and it's
1: yeah and it's it's not it's not so black and white either right because it's like if someone picks up you know like i love the best we can do like that was yeah and, it's great and then the yeah. thing is, is like so this is the thing too is it's like I have spent a lot of my, like, you know, growing up, I was trying to distance myself from Vietnamese, being Vietnamese because it made me an outsider. But as an adult, I'm realizing like how bad it was that I did that and pushed away, and I'm trying to reconnect Mm. with sort of what it means to be Asian American, what it means to be Vietnamese American, and how have I done that? I've done that through literature, I've done that through stories, I've done that through books. So I think, you know, like it's really hard to sit down and have a conversation with your, like, a real conversation with your parents for a factor of reasons of like what was it like, or like, try to connect, you know, connect. And I felt like that book, like the best we could do, like, it helped me understand my family's experience more without like, you you know what I mean? Because it's like, no, I know bits and pieces and their story is not exactly the same. But there's a lot of similar beats. And so like, again, like, it's it's very messy. And it's, it's not a black and white, because it's like, okay, here I am being like, I don't want to have just you know, I don't want to do those stories, but like, I love that book so much. And I got so much from it. I'm sure other people, you know, just, it's like stories also help you be more empathetic towards other people. And like, that's awesome that that's happening. I just, I just know that for me, I wanted to do a different type of story, you know what I mean? And, um, so I, I don't mean to say that like, Oh, folks that are doing experiences about like their culture experience, those are a bad thing or any, anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it's like, I think it's, it's great that we're right. having more and more of those books, but I also think that there's room in publishing to have stories that aren't just about those things, you know, it I mean? shouldn't from just those be people that. of color. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that totally makes sense that it shouldn't just be that. Um, cool. So, all right. So you're writing specifically with seventh grade, um, with tales of seventh grade lizard boy, you're writing specifically for a Hawaii audience. You know, this Odessa is for a post-apocalyptic graphic novel. Mm-hmm. is like it, like it, it, it's not all ages but it's like it's it's definitely has a lighter tone you know it's not it, it Cormac McCarthy's the road like it's not mm-hmm. as bleak as that can get um how much of a switch did you have to do in terms of like audience targeting or did you feel like you really had to change your voice yeah, well, too think, much at all here
1: yeah well just a, a small correction I think um technically lizard boy is going to fall into like a middle reader category so like
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: And then Odessa was very, like, strongly, like, sort of like a YA book. Um, But I think in terms of, you know, I mean, to talk about Odessa a little bit is I felt like, you know, it was a balance in terms of like, how do you, like, how do you make the world feel dangerous? Without there being like without the need for like gratuitous violence or things like that, you know what I mean? Like, cause I think you know, and so that was like a balance trying to strike so that it could it could reach more people, you know what I mean? Um, but and then so with Lizard Boy, I think it was, I think my sensibilities work really well for the age group because like I don't know, I think I'm just like I, I've always thought like a kid. I, I love being a kid, and I think like sort of the sense of humor and um just that you know there's that struggle i think if you look back to being in middle school like so i know everyone's like oh high school was horrible but i really think like um middle school is like um the the prequel of the horribleness of high school you know what i mean in terms of like, i
0: always connect more with with middle school being awful i'm like Hi, i'm yeah, like actually well, like once yeah, high school came around there were some positives yeah and then,
1: around, see, that's, okay, positives, then, yeah. Then that's great then, yeah, because it's like you yeah. know or at least you know because it's just like you're you're hitting puberty like you're hitting puberty you're starting to like your body's starting to change you're getting zit all yeah. that your friends are starting to get into different interests because you're you're trying to not be a kid anymore but you still are kind of a kid and so right. like i right. think that like the, you know that um like i mean i it, it's funny i i felt like i was fine in middle school and then i go back and as you're writing a story about middle school you think yeah. about where you were think about what your experience is like and i think you draw from that and I was like, oh, I was not doing well. Like, I was having a <laughs> hard time. Like, I was yep. really struggling. You know, like, yeah, I didn't realize how hard of a time I had until I'm, like, looking back, you know, decades later. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there was too much of a switch because I think it. it I think it's just a matter of, like, and I, I I, really don't want it to sound like, oh, I'm, like, you've done it down for kids because i would never want to do that kids kids are so so smart and so aware and they're going through so much they might not have the means to articulate it you know what i mean but they know what they're feeling what they they know Uh, what's going on in the world around them and so i think what it is is it's more of a catering to what is like what what is that age group going through and trying to make sure i'm hitting those notes so in a story so it it can be really about their experience um yeah does that make sense yeah
0: yeah, no, it totally does. I mean, I think one thing that you you capture very, very well, and I noticed this is Odessa, and it carries through here as well, is is the voice and the humor, uh, the playful band. Like, so, like, the siblings in Odessa, I think, are hilarious, you know, the, the two brothers, um, just that sort of that constant bickering, the back and forth, I think it's captured really well between Tommy and his sister here, and... Um, Do you have uh, kids of your own or nieces and nephews? Does that come from your own sibling experience? Like, where do you feel like those voices come from?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, Odessa. I mean, Odessa is a love letter to my brothers, you know, like, and I'll probably get like a little teary just talking about it because we have, um, you know, my middle brother passed away um, 10 years ago. um, And so I think, no, no, it's okay. It's just that, you know, that thing, it's kind of like what I was just saying. It's like we, you know, you go back and you're just like, God, we fought all the time like literally hands around each other's necks but we also like it's that thing of like the minute someone messes with one of us the other two are like on that person or like you know it's like nobody messes with my or me and like just that relationship yeah. like you know just like we, you you love you don't realize how much you love each other until you're older and you maybe have grown apart and yeah. then you realize like how much you miss them and so odessa uh-huh. was very strongly inspired by that and i think that that banter carries over i think with the siblings just like it's funny, too, is I think, you know, having made a couple of books and then sort of looking back and being like, what are patterns in my storytelling? What are, what are reoccurring themes? Uh, obviously, like family is one of them, whether it's whether it's your actual family or your found family, like I'm realizing how much of us that's that's at the core of all of my books. And I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think it's just like it, it sort of naturally coming to that. But um, they Thank you for saying that, though, because I think that's something that, like, I really want. You know, like as an author, I can't be like, "Well, this is what it's going to be." I can try and hope readers readers are on it. So, for you to sort of notice that, I think, really means a lot because I think it is just it's it just a way to sort of like, yeah, honor those people that in my life that kind of gave me those experiences. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I have three siblings, so it's like all those moments I was like, okay, yeah, I've I've been through this. (laughs) Yeah, I know this for sure. (laughs) Um, You know, one detail I really like in, in Lizard Boy was uh, Tommy and and Dung are both awesome at basketball. <laughs> like, at first, I they just happened to be, like, really great. It was a really fun detail. Um, I'm a huge basketball fan, so, like, I just kind of connected. And I also thought that was going to be, like – I thought there was going to be, like, a turn that, like, oh, that was the thing that's, like, going to make them cool. Like, that was going to be the thing where it was like, oh, but they're good at sports, so they're actually going to, like, get popular. You kind of dodged that approach. Um, was, there, was there any particular reason or just kind of just the narrative went one way and it wasn't a focus? Yeah,
1: no, I think – well, there's – again, I think that uh, – Tommy and Dung being foils of each other. I think um, it, it's an example of that because I think like Dung is also kind of inspired by like, so my senior year of high school, I well, when in high school, I lived overseas, because um, my dad's company got a contract, and we were in the Middle East. And then the last year of high school, I decided to move back and mm-hmm. my mom in, um, you know, in the States. And so in, as a senior, I'm coming into a school where everybody has known each other their whole lives. And I sort of became friends with the other outsiders, Um, and the character Scarlett is inspired by my friend Scarlett, who I became friends with, but this other other friend I became friends with was a Swedish exchange student, and he was like one of the like star football players on the football team, and I'm like, Scarlett was this like kind of arty weirdo, I was this like arty weirdo, and then we have this like all-star swedish football player hanging out with us and it was just like you know what it was this yeah. thing where it was like but we sort of like by being outsiders is where we bonded and so i think like that like i just loved that he was like you know he was just like a good dude who just and you know he didn't want to like he didn't care about popularity or anything because he was just there for a year you know what i mean and um, yeah yeah and so i kind of wanted doing to have that experience but i also wanted i wanted tommy to be have it because it was like he's naturally he's he's talented because he plays another game like that you know in Elberon where he's from but just this idea of like he's good at something someone out like a a teacher sees that and is trying to encourage him but his sort of like fear and nervousness about fitting in um really pushes him away from from pursuing that you know what i mean i think he's like i think that that can happen a lot is, is like you have you know like it, it's like you're you're showing you're seeing teachers and adults be like like you're good at this like please let us like let us pull that out of you encourage you and it'll push you into like you know helping fit like it'll help you fit in but Tommy is just right. like no because other kids have made fun of him like right there's this scene where he's like he's he's like you know he's like draining three pointers right and then like but he sees some kid making fun of him for like eating a bug earlier and so he associates he you know he's more afraid of being made fun of than he is of like being happy which i think i i don't know you know i i think that it's just, i've done that in my life and it just you look back and it's like the saddest thing right where you're letting other people dictate what you're what you think you're capable of and i think that's also a message of the the book right is that right that happens you know so i mean i would have loved to draw more basketball don't get me wrong like i think one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. things i do is that scene where they're playing together and like Dung goes up the block and then grabs it. And like, that yeah. was like, I had so much fun drawing that. And maybe I'll fit some more basketball into a book in the future, but um, yeah.
0: Very nice. Very nice. No, that makes a lot of sense. No, I think it's like, it's a super universal um, experience. I think uh, certainly for a lot of folks, just that, that, especially at that age, you know, the 13, 14, where it's like the anxiety and the fear of being made fun of overriding like what is, if you look back 10 years later, objectively, like could have been just a great experience, (laughs) like, like, there's no reason it had to be anything but a great experience, but for these feelings that so many people go through. And like, I think that's reading it and being like, oh, other people experience this, that's helpful. I think a lot of times, I think it also,
1: you know, I think it really kicks in, in that seventh grade, like to just talking about that middle school, hell, I think that's, that's also the big turning point. Why it's so hard is because all of a sudden you're like super worried about what other people are thinking. Like, I think when you're in elementary school, you're sort of like, you sort of just follow your bliss and stuff. And then you start to like shrink inwards. Is like other people, you're like, oh, what are they going to think of that? Or how are they going to make fun of me? So kind of just ties into what we were talking about earlier and how hard middle totally. school is.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So it, the ending uh, of this book, and I won't spoil it because uh, it's, it's new, it's out there. I think people should check it out. Um, but it's so great. Uh, I, I really loved how you hit home the message, uh, ultimately of being yourself. Um, which is something that I think, you know, it feels like the kind of advice that like teenagers and preteens need, but it also feels like a thing that, um, it feels like it can be a platitude, certainly like, Oh, be yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you hear that all the time. Um, but the way the book sells it, I think is really, really effective. And I kind of didn't expect it. Uh, how did you, how did you like make sure you weren't like being like, the adults talking down to the kids at graduation yeah. and you know, yeah. like, like how did you kind of yeah. make sure you were selling it?
1: Well, I think, you know, and I think this is a good example of like how important an editor is and like how important it is working with a good editor, because it's really someone that is outside of your own head that you can bounce ideas off of in workshop. And I think like when I did the pitch, it was sort of like when it's a pitch, it's like, you know, the, the, the beats are there. But they don't have to be concrete. You yeah, know what true. I mean? And then I think once it started to become concrete, I was like, oh, like, how do, I, mm-hmm. how do I do this? How do I avoid this? And I think, you know, I can't, you know, I think I had an op, like, I, th- I think I just sort of wrote it, I thumbnailed out, and I sent it. And I think, um, you know, Susan, who is so great to work with, I just can't speak highly enough of her. She was just like, eh, this isn't working for XYZ. Like, let's figure this out. So, why don't you come back? You know, and I, lo- I just love too that, you know, she wasn't like, here's the solution. She was just like, this isn't working for this. Like, maybe you can come up with something because ultimately it is on me. You know what I mean? Like, but I think just sure. that direction of being like, well, why is it working? Um, maybe here's some directions I can go in. And so I think that it was really just sort of workshopping that. And you know, it is, it's finding about. Like, I mean. I know it's so boring, but whenever I talk to like schools and libraries and stuff, I just I keep talking how comics is sort of like engineering and it's problem it's problem solving so the at the end of that book it's a problem to be solved right in terms of like this is the message, how do I solve it without without being cheesy or sounding like a parent talking down or something and also it it it's not necessarily about just the message but the context of the message too and I think um okay. thank you for like. I, I, I hope that kids pick up on that too, that it feels like that to them because that was what I was, you know, there was a lot of work of untangling the string, like the, the string at the end to hope that yeah. it, it had that message without being preachy or without sounding like a platitude, but also still feeling very sincere because I wanted it to be sincere because that's what, you know, I mean, that's what the whole book is building up to this and right. sort of like, how do you stick the landing? Because I'm sure, you know, I mean, you know, you read lots of comics, I'm sure you watch lots of TVs and movies, and there's a lot of times where folks don't land the ending and it just, it's nothing more heartbreaking to me than have the wheels fall off in like the last, you know, eight pages, 10 pages right. or 20 minutes of a show or a movie or something where you're just like, I wish I just would have stopped watching or reading at that point. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. so, yeah, so yeah. thank you for saying that. Cause that, that means a lot because that's what I was hoping to go for.
0: No, good. Good. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think it works quite well. Um, it's interesting. I, you're talking about the, the editing and the process. Do you find yourself when you're when you're writing this book and you're doing graphic novel this length, you know, Odessa included, are you scripting for yourself or do you allow a lot more flexibility and kind of you, you draw first and then go back and kind of figure out the plot or, do you, you know, you have broad strokes laid out? Like what's kind of your your definitive graphic novel process?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, having, I think something that has really helped is you know my first two books were with my friend mk who did the writing and i did the art yeah. and um and i think what really helped is and not that i didn't write my own comics then i would do short comics and things like that but never sort of book length but like just working on books learning the process and learning what works or what doesn't so by the time with odessa and then this like i've already have a really solid process and then all the other comics i have did kind of come into place and i think the biggest thing is just like getting broad broad strokes first And then every other step after that, you just narrow it down and narrow it down. And so at first, you know, like I will always do, I always like, I should probably invest in like Post-it or whatever scotch or post, because it's like, I like, what I'll do is I'll just write down like if I have plot beats that i like, oh, I want this ending to be this. I want this to happen. I want like this non-fight scene to happen. I want this. I'll just put those down on sort of one of those like TV, like murder boards, you know what I mean? When they're tracking. And, and what a post it does is it lets it lets the idea be it free flowing more than like in a notebook, because then I can be like, actually, this idea, maybe it doesn't work. I'll put a pin in it and set it aside. Or I can be like, actually, this idea would work better here and I can move it around. And so like, because I'm a physical, like visual learner that helps me sort of solve that problem. And then, you know, all that's sort of the approach to it. And then every time it's just sort of narrowing it down. So at first it might be like broad strokes and sort of like, what's the beginning, middle and an end. Then it's like, okay, what is each of those chapters in the book mean in terms of where they fit into that beginning, middle and end. And then yeah. once those chapters, then it can be sort of like page by page. And so, you know, I'm always sort of scripting for myself, but it is, it's just sort of like, seeing a big picture and then focusing it in down to sort of like the, the details.
0: And here's how we get there.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah.
0: So do you have like, are you like literally almost blocking out the story with post-its? Like, do you yeah, have I'm like, li- you know, like, you I, li- like I don't word. know.
1: See if it can. Be. So I literally, oh, yeah. this is, um, um, Lizard boy two is coming out. I'm working on it now. So if you oh, like okay, Lizard cool. boy one, um, I don't know if I, but so you can see like here you're, you're literally like, I don't get, you know, I'm literally, like, here's chapter four, and then I'm taking mm-hmm. sticky notes and I'm putting down plot points, and then this helps me think in terms of like, this is generally might be a page worth of what's happening because they're very loose. But again, what I love about that is just that flexibility in terms of like, oh, this idea doesn't work. No idea is bad, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is, you know, with cartoon, like, I because I taught for ten years, I taught comics for ten years. You know, sometimes you're so afraid of putting down the wrong idea that you don't put mm-hmm. the idea down at all. And I am a strong proponent of there are no good or bad ideas. There are ideas that work or maybe don't work for the story. So get them down because you can always reuse them later in the same example of like, just like, you know, I sat on an idea of, or I sat on wanting to make a book about a lizard person for 10 years. Right. And it did. It wasn't until, you know, this book that I was like, oh, maybe this puzzle piece will fit. And so it really is just like, you know, instead of having if if the perfect idea is sort of like the bullseye and a dartboard, instead of taking one dart and throwing it, I like I think I like take a bucket of darts and throw them all at the dartboard. And some of those, a lot of those are going to miss, but a lot of those are going to land. You know what I mean?
0: Sure yeah okay okay no i like that approach that's interesting okay so we got lizard boy 2 who has been teased we see that's coming um what else what else do you have in the pipeline people should know about that uh that you're working on that you want people to know about yeah i
1: mean this is i mean that's sort of the big thing right now and hopefully it's not like it's i don't think it's been like officially announced or anything but it's um yeah so it was, it was working... a
0: pretty stealthy announcement so I... <laughs> yeah Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't yeah. Uh, um, you know
1: but you know there is i mean that's sort of it like i'm not someone who i know lots of folks who are like they're working on one book and they're already daydreaming about what their next book is going to be and I'm so not like that like I need to just be like what's in front of me let's finish this let's work on the next thing um so that's I'm just sort of you know uh, I mean of course like with Lizard Boy coming out there's just been like it's kind of exciting but also kind of like exhausting um in terms of just like Doing things to like promote it, like I, lo- you know, it's really great to like be talking to you. This is sort of, you know, I did a an event um, at Powell's Aww. this week, but this is sort of one of the earlier events, and it's still, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. But then, you know, like I did these like promo comics for social media and things like that that just take a little time, and so um, sure. a lot of it's just been doing that, making videos, um, that sort of thing. But um, that's sort of what's on my plate right now. Is if you like Lizard Boy, um, you will have. Something else to look forward to once you finish reading it. Um, so,
0: good. Okay, good. What's uh What's the response been like so far? So the book's been out for a little bit. You've been doing the promo tour. Um, how's it How's it been going for you?
1: Um, it's been you know, it's been really nice. It's book releases are really weird in that I feel like they're, and I don't know if this is anyone else's experience, but they feel very much like birthdays. When yeah. that, like, even if you're like, I just want to be chill, like chill vibes only. There are expectations that come with <laughs> it. And like, no matter what happens, even if you have a great launch and you get to share, like, it was really great. You know, I'm immunocompromised. So, like, my event at Powell's this week was my first public appearance in three years, you know? And so, to just like have a room full of like all these different spheres of my life kind of come together was like, you know, I was like crying on stage. But like, it, yeah. um, and so it was great, right? I had a wonderful event, but it was also like, kind of exhausting and i also had like a weird like that the day that lizard boy came out i got an email um and i posted about it on twitter but it was from a woman who read it and was just like oh my god i love this book it just meant so much to me because i'm chinese american and i never feel like i fit in because i'm either too chinese or too american and like this book helped me not feel so alone and know that other people share experience and, and again like yeah. that just like that's why I make books. Like it was it meant so much to me to get that get that email because it's a you know, you're just like, Oh, I'm doing something right, you know what I mean? like I'm making sure. the world yeah. less of a, a horrible place. But then the day that Lizard Boy came out, that same day I got like my first racist hate mail too. Oh um and so that that also puts like a weird even though you're like I'm not gonna I'm not going to give this person any energy. They just want to rile me up. It's, it like worms into your head and your heart and it's hard yeah. to shake it. Yeah. But, you know, it's also like, I mean, you know, I try, you know, I think some other people help me put this in perspective, but just like, if, you know, if you're upsetting that kind of person that is that can't stand that other people or stories are being told or representation, like just think of what you're doing for the people who, or like that, like the person that sent me that email or other kids who are like just struggling to fit in and like what that book might mean to them, you know, when they find it, I think that like, I have to try to reframe it in that. But so it's been, it's been like a roller coaster, right? You know what I mean? Like, sure. um, Sure.
0: Oh, that, I mean, that sucks that, that you have to deal with that. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I definitely, I can't connect with that specific experience, but the experience of you hear nine nice things and one horrible thing yeah. and the one horrible yeah. thing is the one that sits in your brain all day. Like, absolutely. Um, that said, I mean that, that first experience sounds beautiful. And, yeah. and it's, I, I have to imagine there are a lot of readers and a lot of younger readers who aren't going to take the time to write an email, but are going to have a similar experience. Right. And I think that's the the power and the value of, of you doing the right thing and being on the right track with these stories. Yeah. You know, um, it's easier said than done to be like, Oh, you're, you're pissing off the right people. Cause it's like, well, yeah, but I don't want to have to read that, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it, you, and, it and, doesn't and like excuse said, that. But and,
1: and again, it's like, I mean, and I'm sure, you know, there's, you know, running a podcast and on YouTube channel stuff, it's like, it's, uh, you know, like, yeah, you, you're right. It's just like, you could have, I, I think you, you put it perfectly right. And that it is like, why is it that we let that one like mean thing sort of creep into us and haunt us instead of like the people that are sort of celebrating and like, you know, like sharing like love for it but I think it's just human nature but you're right so it's just trying to like reframe and and it's funny too because I'm just like like the book isn't even like that you know like you see some of these other books that are you know like that are more directly impacted by people like outright banning them and challenging them and stuff instead of straight mail and I'm just like I'm just like man that's got to be so tough but also like it's crazy how like kid lit authors are people that are upsetting these other people more than anything you know what i mean like it's like right it's right it's kind of scary it's kind of weird and it's kind of scary but i i mean i guess again it's just like they're afraid of their kids learning about other people you know what i mean and like what other people yeah. might go through and um that's what they're afraid of but anyway that's a whole other yeah. conversation but no i appreciate it it is you know,
0: it is it's a big one well it's i read americus um you know in preparation for this as well and uh way more prophetic probably than you wanted it to be <laughs> in terms of like dealing with book banning and all that. But that book hits right now, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure it did a decade ago as well. Uh, when, when it came out through for a second, but like that one, I was, I was reading it and I was like, Oh man, like this is, it's,
1: this is very
0: on the nose with what's yeah. happening right now.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of scary. Right. Cause I mean, that came out 11 years ago around this time and how, you know, we always, we always talk about like, you know, fashion coming back, but we don't talk about sort of like, um, right-wing fascist attempts uh like yeah, to, yeah. Of, like coming back to fashion again and yeah it, it's kind of crazy how yeah timely it is after 11 years
0: that's funny yeah my wife and i always talk about that we watched um i forget when it was it was like 2012 we were watching like like old presidential interviews or debates rather and it was like you know watching whatever 1984 which is before our time and it was like oh they're talking about all the same stuff like the debates, like, they yeah. cover and it's like, oh, this is just, this is just cycles. I yeah. and like, it was the first time I had experienced that, you know, a decade ago or whatever, but it's the same thing with, with book banning and all this stuff. But, you know, it is amazing to see what's going on in, in YA and, and in like kids lit where you have all these authors and all these creators and, and all these publishing houses that are like, you can cry all you want about about you know like this being old-fashioned or having these old-fashioned points of view and and not wanting kids to learn empathy for all sorts of different Mm -mm. perspectives but that's what we're publishing and that's what's that's what's hot and these books are enormous you know and they just are and they're going to continue to be so you know that's encouraging I suppose yeah and it's you know because
1: I don't know you know how you know I'm 41 um, and just like Kids these days, I I don't want to I sound like an old man, and I'm good, but like <laughs> kids these days are so lucky in terms of like just the wealth, the abundance of like gold that they have in front of them in terms of like book options, you know what I mean? And they know it because they're like, like, you know, like they're, they're probably like the biggest readers of any age group, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like voracious readers and just like, I, you know, it's, it's crazy how you, they could literally be like, um. You know, I am like, I'm a, you know, I'm a queer Vietnamese kid who learns, who's having to study the piano because of my parents. Like, and like, oh, I wish there was a book. Oh, there's probably a book on the shelf just for you that it's like, that you can relate <laughs> yeah. to, you know, like, and that's like yeah. so awesome. And I'm so excited for them. Um, but I'm also like a little jealous because I would have killed mm. to like have that at my fingertips um, when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I've been doing is uh, when I go to the library with I have I have three little boys under the age of five, and we go to the library now. And like I'll hit up like we'll be in the kids section. They're like doing puzzles or they're drawing books or whatever. And I go to like the YA section and I just catch up on all this (laughs) on all the YA (laughs) comics that I never would have got to read. Um, But I'm like, well, I'm hanging out with kids and there's so much good stuff there. Like it's just loaded with good books. It's super fun. Um, Okay, Jonathan, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you want to make sure people know or um, places to find you?
1: Um, no, yeah, you can find me at one of the Johns, probably everywhere. So O-N-E-O-F-T-H-E-J-O-H-N-S um, on Twitter and Instagram. And um, yeah, I just, you know, thanks for having a conversation with me about seventh grade lizard boy. And I hope other folks um, pick it up and enjoy it too. But um, yeah, no, I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate having you on. We'll include links to everything in the show notes. Uh, of course, I'm Dave. You can of stuff at Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week.